We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go to some mailbag stuff, Ryan. And we've got a lot of stuff, a lot of questions already. And we're going to get to a lot more. There's still some questions that we're starring. I'm still only at 138 right now. That's how far I've made it down to get to um, to get to uh, where the obviously the next group of uh, ne- next group of questions. So let's just kind of start at the top and start with Tommy Guns, and we'll just kind of continue with our conversation about Brandon Hillman. So Tommy's question is, Ryan, which would be your preferred order of positions for Hillman to get a crack at? Yeah, I mean, it's a great it's a great question, Tommy. And it's such a in-depth question because I think there are a lot of legitimate possibilities, right? Like, I don't think it's one where there's one really good possibility and there's a bunch of, eh, you know, maybe it'll fit type of things, right? Like, there's look, Brandon Hillman could potentially play several positions for Notre Dame on the next level. Number one for me, and I've been adamant about this, is Rover. I think that Rover it really fits his style, his physical nature as a football player, his proactiveness, his short area explosiveness. So I like Rover a ton. Offensively, I think wide receiver and running back, you convinced me of either one, if I'm being honest. If, if you told me that this team was a heavy RPO-based system, a, a team that wanted to really you know manipulate space a ton, then I'd be like, all right, throw him in at wide receiver. But if not, running back makes a lot of sense. He's a downhill physical kid. And then I wouldn't be adverse to him playing a true safety role because I think if you use him correctly in there, you know, bring him down into the box, short zones, maybe some man against some bigger bigger slots or some tight ends. Like I think he can do a lot of those things. So I guess my ordering would be somewhere of rover, wide receiver, running back, deep safety. Like that would be kind of my my sticking point for a Brandon Hellman. So I was just I got to the part of the question where people were pointing out the lines on his home field. Yes. <laughs> they're not yes. straight. They're not they're not Then we said bro was drunk when he was doing those lines. <laughs> oh, you guys are so mean. <laughs> <laughs> True, but mean. Uh, Nick P with a mailbag question. Does Jaren Price have any shot at the bowl game or is his recovery time pushing him back to the spring game or summer? I have heard nothing about Jadarian Price being available for the bowl game. And honestly, because he's still only, 
what it would be, Ryan, it would be like six months removed from an Achilles. I wouldn't even – there's no need to even try to get no. him ready for the game. With, with, with the running back room the way it is? Like, yes. It's not need. You no need to get him ready for fall – for spring and fall, especially fall camp. That's – you need you need to make sure that he never has a the, – the most important thing over the next six months to a year for Brandon – for uh, Janarian Price mm-hmm. is making sure that he is healed to the part, point where this just doesn't become a problem again. Exactly. Because he's too dynamic. And, and this kind of injury, it's kind of – it's not quite as bad, but it's it's kind of like how ACLs, ACLs used to be 10, 15 years ago. Not 30 years ago or as a career ender, but, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 15 years ago where, you know, you'd get these situations where um, kids would have to – you know, a guy would tear his knee up and, and he was just never going to be the same athlete or he couldn't play anymore. Achilles are those where, it's it, again, it's not as bad. But it's getting to the point where it is still an injury that it, it can be tricky. You know, guys don't always come back 100% from that. You know, like we saw that with, uh, with um, um, what's his name, um, uh, Kobe Bryant uh, several years ago. Now, again, Kobe was older, so you could, you could factor that into it as, as well. But it was one of those things where um, just he wasn't the same athlete. And I think that's kind of something you look at. So I think when you when you look at Janarian Price, the key here, Nick, is get him healthy to where he doesn't have to worry about this being an issue as much as best as you can. I mean, you can't completely completely prevent it, but as best you can, make it to where it's not an issue for him anymore. So I don't, I just don't think that need is there, in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's move on to some questions here, Ryan. We did have a lot of questions I wanted to kind of get back to. Uh, Sean Green says, just started watching this channel near the end of this of last season. So just wondering, in the past, have you done shows where the prospect didn't commit? We have not have done that. <laughs> uh, as far as like if there was an announcement, now sometimes a kid's going to commit during a show we're already doing. We may mention it, but we don't, you know, we don't. Yes. Keith Wiegand says, Brian and Ryan, now with Hillman's commitment, how serious is Notre Dame with the kid from Arizona? Uh, he's not from Arizona. He's committed to Arizona or was. He did commit yesterday. He's from Rancho Cucamonga, I believe is how you say that, in California. Uh, that is Solomon Davis. Right now, their name is Pushin, but I believe that they trail Oregon at this time. And Oregon got on them a lot uh, a lot quicker. Is, isn't Rancho Cucamonga a really fun word to say, by the way? It's really fun. Mm, as long as I'm saying it right. If I'm saying it wrong, it's a sucky word to say. Okay, good. Then, no, yes, right. then, then yes, that is really, really cool. Rancho Cucamonga. 
All right. Donovan Amaro with a good question. And this is a very, very important question, Ryan, that I want you to address. Uh, does he have the instincts that Jeremiah Wusukoromo had? I feel like he just knew where everything was on the field at all times. I mean, I mean, Jock definitely did have a kind of a keen sense down, you know, this last couple of years, obviously, right? Like you, he, especially I remember against the screen game, especially Brian, like he just always seemed to trigger so well and understand where, where things were kind of developing in front of him. I think that it's an unfair comparison though. And I think that you would be able to answer this a little better because I didn't see Jock coming out of high school, right? Like in instincts or sometimes they're just like innately there, but you can improve instincts. You can, as you see the game more and have live bullets. So, I mean, I think that there is a very easy comparison to make between Hillman and Awusa Kormo though, because athletically, I think they're similar. I think they see the game really well, but I mean, as far as him coming out of high school, I, I don't know what Jock looked like. I just remember the Jock, that was an All-American. That was a Buckus Award winner. That was a second-round NFL draft pick. Like, that's the guy that I remember. But as for Brandon Hillman, one of the more instinctive players in Notre Dame's class, in my opinion. Like, I think he sees the game incredibly well. So I think there's some easy comparisons to be made at that position, if he ends up at Rover, to a Jeremiah Wuskormo. This is an interesting question. Irish Blood said, think it is a bad move going from the Big Ten to ACC. There's more program money in the Big Ten. Leaving now looks like he is running from rule and fickle. I don't think that, first of all, he's a Louisville alum, number yes. one. Number two, just because the Big Ten may be getting more money doesn't mean Purdue is giving him more money to spend on the football program than what Louisville will give him to spend on their football program. It also doesn't mean that Purdue is going to be as involved in NIL because Louisville has flat bought some players in this class already. <laughs> yes. Right, guys, they would not have got a year ago. Right, Rubens Owens is not committed to Purdue, a, I mean Louisville, a year ago before NIL really got crazy. So I'm going to disagree with that. Again, just because they're getting more TV money doesn't mm -hmm. mean the football program has that kind of money. Because not every school in the Big Ten spends the same amount of money on their football program. Right. It just doesn't. That's just the reality of it. And with all due respect, as a program, Louisville has a far higher upside than in the ACC, than, than overall, but especially in the ACC, than, than Purdue has in the Big Ten. Louisville has a chance to be one of the two or three I say if everybody peaks out, Louisville has a chance to be a top five program in the ACC, along with, in my opinion, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and maybe, maybe, maybe North Carolina. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I only say I only say maybe because I just don't know if North Carolina ever is willing to commit to being good in football like they're in basketball. Sure. If they did, I think they could be better. They just haven't done it yet. And and so maybe, but I, I would say Louisville has a, a better chance of being there now. Purdue will never be a top five Big Ten program. Right. Not now. It's just not going to happen, especially with USC and UCLA coming. So it's not about being afraid. With all due respect, if Matt, if Jeff Brown was afraid of, of, of I'm sorry, Matt Rule, he's, he's, he's not afraid to go against Urban Meyer and Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin, but he's going to be afraid of Matt Rule and Luke Fickle. Come on. Like, come on now. And, and I mean, to, to reemphasize your take on Louisville, Brian, because I agree with it 100%. I mean, let's be honest. Louisville has an NIL financial backing, right? They're going to attract some very good athletes. And I would say, yes, Jeff Brom has had an occasional, you know, an occasional Rondale Moore to work with, right? Who's an exceptional athlete. But 
he does a great job of taking guys like Charlie Jones, Payne Dorham, like that brand of football and makes them have some really good success with it. So I think that at Louisville, Jeff Brom's offensive philosophy and his oh, offensive yeah. minds combined with the speed that Louisville is going to be able oh, to attract. Yes. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be, I just fun. don't know how anyone could think that Purdue has a, as a higher ceiling of a, as a program than Louisville. I mean, we've seen it recently. I mean, Charlie strong was at Louisville when they were in the big East and they blasted Florida in the, it was it the sugar bowl. Which yeah, bowl man. game was it with Teddy Bridgewater? I believe like, so. Lu- it was Bobby Petrino had some great teams at Louisville. Like Louisville has a high ceiling as a program. Lamar, we saw Lamar Jackson, and he didn't have a lot of talent around him. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, so Purdue's never going to get a kid like Lamar Jackson ever. Well, they got Drew Drew Brees. The dude was in the nineties, <laughs> right? Like, and Drew Brees wasn't that kind of prospect when he came out of high school. Mm-hmm. So I just don't, I'm a little Irish blooded. You're my guy and you have some great questions. I'm just a little taken back by some of the comments that I'm seeing here is if somehow Louisville is a step down as a program, a, he's going to get, make more money. He's going to make more money. There's more resources there for football. And mm-hmm. number three, there's a lot more NIL money there to be had and a lot closer. Look, you, you can say it's not that far away, but if you're trying to recruit a kid from Florida, there's a big difference between Louisville, Kentucky and West Lafayette, Indiana. <laughs> Real big difference. Yes. You know, um, what's surprising about Purdue is how, or Louisville is how bad their basketball team is right now. Have you seen how bad? Like, they're awful. Like, because really? they went through all that, you know, the, got in all that trouble. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, you know, th- they're fired their coach and all this other kind of stuff. And, man, they are they are awful. But you just – you don't expect that from a team that won a national championship less than a decade ago. I, I think they've finally gotten a win. No, they're 0 and 8. Still 0 and 8. 0 and 8? 0 and 8. Yeah. That's they were like 0 and 5 last I saw. But yeah, they and, and here's the thing. They're not even losing like good teams. They've lost to Bellarmine. They lost to Wright State, App State, Arkansas. Texas Tech beat them by 32. Cincinnati beat them by 19. Maryland beat them by 25. And Miami just beat them by 17. So like they're. Oh, so they're bad. bad. They're like bad, bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And Florida State's pretty bad this year too. They're one and nine, so it's been a weird year in the ACC. <laughs> Very weird year in the ACC. So yeah, who knows, man? But anyway, I I think this move makes a lot of sense for Jeff Brom, especially with. I mean, you also have to be. You can say, "Oh, he's running away," but you can also you also have to be realistic and say he's also being smart. You're, you're, you're never going to be – right now, you're never going to be Ohio State. You're never going to be – not beat, B, meaning B, the prestige and all that stuff, uh, the push that you're going to get from the league. You're never going to be where Ohio State is. You're never going to be where Michigan is. You're never going to be where Penn State is. At best, at best, you could be fourth. At best. And even then, I think you'd still probably see teams like Wisconsin, teams like Michigan State get a push before them. Now you're bringing USC and UCLA in the mix your your ceiling is just way lower in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Yeah. And also, you can't dismiss the fact that it's easier to, to take a middle-of-the-road ACC team and rise into the top than it is a Big Ten team. That's just a reality of it, too. So I, I think the move makes sense for Jeff Brom. Makes a lot of sense. I think you nailed it, Ryan. His system will be able to recruit so many more athletes to it than mm-hmm. what he could at Purdue. I mean, I mean, we saw what he did with Rondell Moore and David Bell, right? That who, I mean, David Bell, Charlie like, Jones, yeah. I mean, Charlie Jones, who was a 
afterthought as a pass catcher for Iowa. And then he comes and he has 110 catches this year. Like, and he's going to the senior bowl. Charlie Jones was not going to the senior bowl before the season, folks. He was not doing that. But Jeff Brom did that, right? And you, you have to give him a lot of credit because he's, when he's had talent around, uh, you know, at the skill position, he's taken advantage of that. But he's also taken some guys that maybe aren't the most physically gifted in the world. And he's made, chicken salad out of chicken you know what at times mm-hmm. like he's done that so yeah because I mean, brian he went into the season you lost david bell milton wright was academically ineligible you were down your two best pass catchers from last year and you have to go to the portal for charlie jones who had like 20 catches in his career at iowa and you made him a hundred plus catch guy in a lone season at purdue like that just put that in perspective man that's he had five times as many catches or six times, almost six times as many catches this season as he had in his career coming into this season. That's mm-hmm. wild to think about. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get to some more questions here. We have a super chat down here from Jim Halloran. Thank you, Jim, very, very much. Brian and Ryan, will the 2023 class finally destroy the BK myth that Notre Dame can't recruit elite talent? Ryan, rooting for your bet for you, but betting on Vince. Uh, that's harsh. Uh, Ryan, to me, it, 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 I think he's already blown it away. Yes. Even if they, I don't anticipate them losing a kid. So I want to preface that. I don't anticipate anyone flipping. We have some intel on the board about the guys that are being rumored to flip and it is what it is. I can't control rumors. Who knows what's going to happen between now and then. But even if they lost a kid or two to be able to put the kind of class they're putting together now in an era of NIL, just yes. destroys the myth of what how hard it was to recruit in Notre Dame and how you couldn't get certain type of kids. You know, it just it it's already destroyed it. Even if you take a kid or two away, but I don't anticipate them doing that. Every all of our intel says you know that that all these kids plan on signing. I'm just saying, even if it's still one of the best classes we've seen Notre Dame sign, it's certainly one of the most athletic classes we've seen Notre Dame sign, and they're doing it while Notre Dame kids are turning down. We know for a fact that at least two kids that are committed to Notre Dame now have turned down million-plus-dollar offers to come to Notre Dame. Oh, yes. Yep. That's at least two that we know of. Yep. And I could say half the class has turned down six-figure offers to come to Notre Dame mm-hmm. because they get it. And that that kind of leads to this, this comment down here from Archer. It says, I don't blame a kid for taking guaranteed money. It just creates an uneven ground when trying to recruit. Archer, I'm going to somewhat disagree with you because, first of all, there's every situation is different. You know, if you're a kid whose mom is about to get evicted from her home and a school's offering you a million dollars, you got to take it. You, you got you got a family to take care of. I understand that the immediate need is there. However, if if you're in a, if you're a parent or if you're someone who's advising these young men, yeah, I can say that I I don't say blame them. I hate the word blame. I can say that they're wrong. Because, again, you have to look at the entirety of that situation. How many times have we seen people win hundreds of millions of dollars in the lottery and within 10 years, they're dead broke and their lives have been turned upside down in a negative fashion, mm-hmm. right? Well, you'd think all the money in the world because you're giving people this money and you're not exactly giving them the resources on how to make the most of that money. Education. That's what yeah. we're talking about. And I'm the education just because like, I've always felt like if the NCAA was serious, like especially for basketball, mm-hmm. you take these kids, the in, the NBA has created a scenario in which you have to take these kids. These kids for the most part have no choice, but to go to college, they could go to the, you know, the G league or go overseas. But a lot of these kids, the best place for them to go is to go play for 
a Mike Krzyzewski before he left or a Bill Self or a Jim Beheim or, you know, a coach that will teach them, give them exposure, all those type of things, but they're only going to be here for a year. So why not allow schools to, you know, institute athletic only geared tracks, right? Where if you know a kid's only going to be here for a year, you say, Hey, look, here's what we're going to do. We have a track for you. It's classes that every student can take, but it's a track for an athlete that's a basketball athlete who's only going to be here for a year that's built on like, you know, uh, economics class, a couple ex- econ foundational econ classes that has a business ethics classes, you know, classes that are geared towards, you know, marketing and branding and things like that, that, you know, like, for example, the Notre Dame could have, right? So let's say, let's say a booster kind of came up with an NIL deal where, you know, you could say, Hey, look, uh, we're going to put this deal together, Right. And we are going. This deal is going to allow Notre Dame to go out there and have a chance uh, to land uh, Trey Johnson, who's the number one player in the, in the 2024 class. We're going to give this huge deal. Under Armour is going to give them some money. And here, here's what we're going to do. So how the final thing is though is you're going to make them go to class. This other school's not. Well, Notre Dame's pitch should be, yeah, you're going to have to go to class. But here's this track that we've created for kids just like you. That's going to help you be prepared to take the money you're getting now and the even greater money you're going to get next year as a top 10 in an NBA draft pick and be able to, to be prepared to not only to take that a million, $5 million or, and then the 20 million you're going to get as a draft pick or whatever. And you're, and here's how we're going to help you build a, a, a brand, a business model that's around you that allows you to take that money and turn it into more and more and more and more and more to where you now have something that is going to last you your lifetime as opposed to how many times have we heard stories about NFL players and NBA players that had Antoine Walker signs a hundred million dollar contact with the, with the Celtics. And by the time he's 40, he's broke. Allen Iverson right? as well. Yeah. Allen Iverson's. I mean, we see it over and over and over and over again. Bernie Kosar is one of those stories. We've heard his, his mm-hmm. situation, right? Because yeah. some of these kids are not given the resources and the tools and the support system to especially now where everything costs so much more than it used to, you know, like there's certain cars you may want to buy. They're going to cost twice as much as they cost three years ago. Houses now, our, our house, for example, is almost twice as, as much. Now the value of it value, I use that loosely is twice as much as it was when we bought it in 2016. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, my wife was like, Hey, do you think we should, we should sell the house? And I said, no, because the house we would buy is also going to be twice as much as it was you know, because she's thinking upgrade, you know? And I'm like, no, sure. because the house we would have bought is going to be twice as much as it was, you know, six years ago as well. And so that's why, you know, a place like Notre Dame still does value to a kid. Yeah. Get your, you know, you may only get 400,000, $500,000 in Notre Dame compared to three, 4 million somewhere else. But I promise you, you're going to have a much better opportunity to turn that 500,000 into more in 10 years than what the kid from 3 million is going to have, who's going to have it all spent before he's done with college. Mm-hmm. And then we don't know if he's been given the education and the and opportunity, whatever the need, you know, case may be, to go be successful beyond that. And that's the advantage to Notre Dame. So, yeah, I can say kids are short-sighted. Why, why, why can't we say that? Like, why is it this thing like, well, you know, you can't, you can't tell a kid not to do. Yes, I can. I can absolutely say to a kid, dude, you're being short-sighted. And $3 million doesn't go as long now as it did 10 years ago. Doesn't. And you're 18. You have not been given the education you need in the real world education. Forget, you know, your entry level 101 college classes to be able to say no to some people 
to say no to this person, yes to that person in regard to who's going to be trying to hang on to. You got an uncle that's now jumping in your life. Would that uncle be in your life right now if you were a three-star kid that was getting offers from App State and Georgia State? No, he wouldn't. You know what I mean? I'm saying hypothetically. No, he wouldn't because they're trying to get a piece of what you have to offer. But in reality, that's not the best thing for you because you're whatever million there that the hangers on are going to take this from, take that from, take this from. And all of a sudden that deal doesn't look nearly as good as opposed to the $200,000 you could got in NIO deals in their name as a freshman and maybe even more over the period of time. But you're also being surrounded by people that are going to protect you, help you, give the education you need to turn that 500000 into $10 million, as opposed to the kid who's going to take the $3 million and turn it into nothing in three years. Yep. So, yeah, I can say that. And the fact that we don't have enough people willing to say that is part of the problem, right? And that's not true for every kid. Like I said, there are some situations where if a kid gets that kind of offer with the stuff going on in your family right now, bro, you should probably consider taking this. Let me give you some safeguards, though. Let me help you out a little bit here. Let me let me try to encourage you here. But, man, you got to take that because mom is about to get kicked out of her home. And I understand you want to do that, right? I get that. I get that. But that's not the case with most kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and people try to act like, well, that there's so many. Most of these kids are not like we ha- we have this thing where we want to act like every single kid that's a big time player is some poor kid from a broken home who can who doesn't care about academics. And that is so, so far from the truth, so yeah. far from the truth. And it disgusts me that we act like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I can say that. I'll absolutely say that. I'll absolutely tell a kid, hey, you're you're probably not thinking this through. There are too many kids taking the short term, easy path where the harder path, the long-term goal is going to be much better for them. Because I don't care if you have $3 million and you're 18. How much do you have when you're 40? That's what matters more to me. And who's going to help you be in position to have more when you're 40? That should be the question that these kids are asking themselves. And unfortunately, who's going to make it, who's going to tell them to ask that question? Who's encouraging them to ask that question? What system is in place to help, with the, help them with that? Like we see at the professional levels where there's all this education and stuff where they're, I mean, kids are still, I mean, players are still blowing their money, but at least the professional leagues are trying to say, hey, you might want to think about this. You might want to think sure. about making some smart investments. You might want to think about maybe not, because here's what happens with professional athletes. Hey, I, I'm making $20 million a year. So I'm living like someone who makes $20 million a year. Well, when you're 35 and you're not making $20 million a year again, you still have the bills of a person that's making $20 million. That's how guys go bankrupt. Because they, hey, I'm making 20 million a year. I'm going to live like someone who's making five a year, take that extra 15, some of it in savings. I'm going to put some of it in this, this investment over here, some of them in this investment over here. So that way, when I retire at 35, I can still live. It's like someone who's making $5 million a year. I've got all these, these business ventures that I have that now I can make money for the rest of my life and, and not have to worry about, huh, sorry, honey, we got a downgrade because I'm not making that kind of money anymore. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine saying that to kids. Absolutely fine saying that to kids. And I'm not afraid to say, dude, you're, you're doing the wrong thing, right? Like I've said this on the show. I think Keon Keeley's making a mistake. I'll support him wherever he goes. I'll root for him wherever he goes. But if he asks my opinion, do you think I'm making a mistake? Absolutely, you're making a mistake. You're, you're, you're being convinced that the short-term path, the easy path, is the one you should take for whatever reason, when in reality, this path over here may be harder, but the benefits for you when you're 40 are going to far outweigh what you think you may, may be best for you at 18. I don't have a problem saying that. And why? Why do? Why are we so afraid to say that? If you're wrong, you're wrong. You're, you're giving your opinion. And mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't like it, they don't have to listen to you. 
Isn't that great? Isn't that cool, Ryan? If somebody doesn't like your opinion, they can just choose to not. Like when somebody says something stupid to me on Twitter, just block. I don't listen to you. Just block you. <laughs> you know, I don't need to be triggered and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you have the right to sit. You can say whatever you want. I just don't have to listen to it. You I know, mean, you you also have a mute button option on Twitter as well. Bingo. So there's, there's a lot of ways to not see things, right? I mean, bingo point. So yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, uh, Ryan, this is going to be one for you. Bill Simeon okay. with a super chat. Thank you, Ryan, or thank you, Bill. Is mm-hmm. Austin is Austin Reed a dude? Please discuss. I think he's referring to that quarterback that you yes. were uh, making me aware of. The was he Western Kentucky, Ryan? Western is Kentucky. That- yeah. So he's got, he's got he's a dis- really cool. Sorry, he's got yeah, he's got a really cool backstory. So he was actually at West Florida, which is a Division II team, 2019 national champion, 40 touchdown passes. 2020 gets canceled for on the D2 level, so he's not able to play football. 2021 has another nice year for West Florida. Ends up transferring to Western Kentucky. So he transfers from a Division II team up to a group of five level, obviously in the Sun Belt of a Western Kentucky. Takes over for what Bailey Zappi was doing at Western Kentucky, which led him to be in a fourth-round NFL draft pick by the New England Patriots. Had one of the better production seasons that we've seen at the quarterback position. Also, Reed had a nice year this year for Western Kentucky. Showed a lot of nice signs. I'll say this, Bill, he because we're going to compare him naturally to Bailey Zappi because Bailey Zappi was the year before. Austin is a more talented player than Bailey Zappi, no doubt about it. He's got a more natural arm. He's a really natural thrower of the football. Not an incredibly athletic kid. It's He's solid. He's a solid athlete, but he's a really nice pocket quarterback man that has a lot of talent and a lot of tools to work with. So can he be a dude? I think he can be in the right situation without you know disclosing. I have heard that Austin Reed, I anticipate to end up somewhere in the SEC from everything that I'm hearing currently. So he's going to not get an opportunity to show if he's a dude or not very shortly here. And I know this question is probably for Notre Dame circumstances. I, I just, I think that that decision of where he's going to end up has kind of already been decided. And I don't think Notre Dame is going to be in the conversation there. Nor do but, I, would I no. be overly thrilled about it? To be honest with you, I get real nervous about these guys who come from those systems, right? I do. Um, you, you know my stance on that. But it's funny. Somebody somebody said to me, like, hey, their name should look at this guy. Have you seen his numbers? You know, he put up crazy numbers this year. And, and I'm like, yeah, he, he put up crazy numbers. And I'm like, um, he did. You know, he threw for 4,247 yards and 36 touchdowns. That's, that's great. Yep. You do know the guy that ran that offense last year threw for 5,967 yards and 62 touchdowns, right? You know, it's like, uh, and only one more game. And I'm like, um, that's why I say is you can't just look at numbers and be like, oh, well, look at those numbers. He's a great player. Well, did you see the numbers Will Rogers put up at Mississippi State the last couple of years? Uh, there's no way in heck I'd have that guy as my quarterback. You know what I mean? He threw 4,700 yards last year, 3,700 yards this year, 70 touchdowns in two years. System driven. Mm-hmm. Now, I think to your point, Austin Reed has a lot more tools than Will Rogers. It's sure. not my point. It's just like don't just look at numbers and assume, oh, gee, that guy must be a great quarterback because in a lot of systems, mediocre quarterbacks are putting up big numbers. You know what I mean? Like I said, the numbers that, that it all, but it also puts into context just how good <laughs> Zappy was in Western, Ken, West, uh, West, uh, excuse me, Western Kentucky last year. He was, he was unbelievable at mm-hmm. Western Kentucky last year. Unbelievable there last year. So 
he his he's pretty pretty good. So, but he's more like you said. He's more he was more even system driven than the other kid because I think the other kid does. I've seen a little film. He's got some tools. He's yep. definitely got some tools to work with. It's get, got one more down here from a couple more super chats. Belly uh, Rally Q, fellas, hit me with your top five recruiters in recent Notre Dame history. Also, how much is the approach to recruiting due to current time with an portal versus a new head coach getting his guys with his vision? Well, I would say it's it's all about the head coach because this class started to get put together before the the NIL stuff really exploded. Like the NIL was around last year, and it just mm-hmm. really got nuts this year. Uh, and and I don't think that if anything. The approach to recruiting due to current time with NIL portal versus a new head coach getting his guys with his vision. I, I I think everything about how they're going about their business, Ryan, is about getting guys to buy into the vision. Yes. You know, there's 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 method to the madness of who they're getting as opposed mm-hmm. to what AM was doing last year, where they're just like loading up, like, why do you need Anthony Lucas? Like, how about you go get a tight end or a or a a linebacker or a safety or something, you know what I mean? Like why, why are you getting a ninth defensive lineman in this class? It was, it was last night, Brian, I saw that Texas A&M already had 16 players enter the transfer portal. And there's a lot of reason for that. And some of which that you're talking about, right? There's log jams at positions. And when things aren't going well, it's very easy to kind of get away from that plan. Right. So. And when you're not buying into a school and going to school for the right reasons, it's going to be much easier to leave it. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So, yeah. Top five recruiters in Notre Dame history, recent history? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marcus, I mean, Marcus is... Yep. I mean, let's just <laughs> let's just go up position coaches, not like yeah. Chad Bowden, but just position okay. coaches, because Chad Bowden's clearly done things that we haven't seen anybody in Notre Dame do since Vinny Serrato. Let's just yes. go position coaches. Man, that's tough. Um I, I mean, obviously, Harry, he stands results speak for themselves. He doesn't like sure. recruiting, but the results are excellent. Sure. Uh, I think Tony Alford is in that conversation for me. Uh, I think he was – because he he recruited not just – think about Tony Alford that makes him different than like Lance Taylor and even Dylan McCullough now mm-hmm. is – although Dylan McCullough did make a little bit of a non-running back splash with Dylan Edwards. Yes. Right? But, yep. uh, you know, but when you look at it, to me, it, it, it's kind of like Tony Alford had a big hand in getting Aaron Lynch – he had a big hand. Like he recruited beyond just running backs. He recruited right. other players as well. I think Mike Denbrock is probably in that conversation for me. If hmm. if we're talking recent, so it's recent history to me is basically 2010, essentially, okay. right? For me, so I mean, we're talking years. over a decade. Yeah. Mike Denbrock did some really good things as a recruiter. He got Denbrock, Tony Alford, Marcus Freeman, right? Harry Heastan. I'll, I'll, I'll say this: I need, I need to see another another cycle, but. Chancey Stucky's putting in some work, man. I can't. I can't put him ahead of of Mike Mick. If you're going to talk about current staff, I can't put him ahead of Mike Mickens right now. I can't. I can't. Mm -hmm. Number one, because they needed more, so they got more. Number two, Mickens has now done it for three classes in a row. Mm -hmm. So, like this class of receivers, very good, very good. But Mike Mickens has landed now two big time cornerback classes in a row. So if we're going to talk about a current guy, I think we got to talk about Mike Mickens over Chancey Stuckey. But certainly a great start, Ryan. Certainly yeah. a great start. Yeah. And next and year's is going to tell us a lot for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I want to say, you know, I want to, I need to see it in back to back or three classes in a row, right? Like I need to see yeah. him add a couple impact talent on top of Cam Williams in 2024 and and beyond that. But just for a one one because I mean, let's be honest, we were we were very 
we, we were unsure of what Chancey Stuckey yeah. would be as a recruiter. And he, how has, could you know? How could I, you no, know? I, no, we, I've been a coach a, for a year. I'm not saying that to you, Ryan. I'm, I'm yeah. building on what you're saying. I'm not pushing back on what you said. Yeah. And, but and how and could you think, possibly know? The guy had not finished a full recruiting cycle yet in exactly. college. Yep. And so, I mean, he was a big unknown as a recruiter. But, I mean, the five-man class, if we're counting Dylan Edwards, and I know Dylan McCullough had a big part, obviously, in, in Dylan Edwards, but the ability to pull Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse out of Texas, to get a – Rico Flores out of California to get a Caleb Smith later on in the process out of the state of Texas as well. That's a really good start for, and, and to get Cam Williams already in the class and he's already one of your main recruiters in 2024. So yeah, it's done a really good job so far recruiting. Yep. Uh, So a guy that needs mention is he was not good. His first go around at the position, but when he moved back, got really good. Mike Elston developed a really strong recruiter. And his his he was okay from like 2010 to like 2015. Then he got moved to linebacker. But when he came back to coaching the D-line, his recruiting game upped a lot. I mean, you you can't take that away from him. And when and when he finally got a defensive coordinator that was also a dynamic recruiter, it happened twice. It happened early on when Mike Elko or Mike Elko was here, which helped them get like you know, so keep some of the guys they have, but more so with Marcus Freeman. I mean, that's where you saw Keon Keeley and Brendan Vernon and some of the guys, you know, they were leading for Jason Moore when Elson left. I mean, can't, we can't ignore that. We can't deny that they were, sure. they were leading for him when, when he left, I think Elston in his last three, four years turned into a really good recruiter, in my opinion, mm-hmm. really good recruiter, but uh, yeah, he'd be in that conversation as well. So, so those are some of those guys. And I, I have a comment too, when somebody, earlier about the about the myth i think john a1 nails it he says honestly charlie weiss destroyed that myth and kelly recreated it <laughs> that's funny because weiss couldn't develop it and he's spot on charlie weiss showed you can recruit the notre dame the positions you put emphasis on recruiting he didn't recruit defense very well because he didn't put enough emphasis on it but he showed i can go get five stars from all over the country on offense if you put the kind of program together they'll come and if you if you do a good enough job recruiting they'll come I mean, think about all the five stars that Charlie Weiss got during his tenure. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Sam Young in 06. you got Jimmy Clausen. You've got uh, Duval Kamara was a five-star. You know, Dane Chris, Michael Floyd, Trevor Robinson was a borderline five-star. Uh, Manti Teo. I mean, they got tons of highly ranked kids when he was here. His problem was, was the big-time kids, and then there was a big drop-off drop off at the bottom because he didn't put enough value in building the roster the right way. Yep. But John's right. Ryan, Charlie Weiss destroyed that myth, and then Kelly brought it back. And Kelly brought it back over time. Let's not forget that by the end of his tenure, we kept hearing about how hard it is to recruit running backs and how hard it is to recruit great edge players. Do we not forget that his first full recruiting class had three five-star defensive ends in it (laughs) from Florida, Georgia, and New York? It's not like they were from Indiana, you know, and, and, and Illinois and Michigan. You know what I mean? Like, it was more about the work, not about you couldn't do it. He built, I think John's right. He built, he, he brought the myth back because it it gave him cover, gave him cover when he didn't achieve the success he thought he was going to have. Yep. And now we're seeing not only is a staff going after some elite potential talent, but they're also understanding of building a class the right way to your point, Mm -hmm. right? The things that Charlie Weiss was not great at because I mean, again, Brian, we talked about it in the Brandon Hillman section of this podcast, but 
it's really hard to poke a hole in this 2023 group right now. Like it's really hard, man. Not only do you have impact talent at basically every position, you also have depth. I mean, you have a, a five-man offensive line class, a five-man wide receiver group, a three-safety class, two running backs. Like it's a crazy amount of depth that you've created in 2023. So not only is there impact talent, there's also the depth and the ability to construct a roster, I think is the biggest thing for me. I love the pettiness of this comment from my guy, Nigo Montoya. Coach oh, Winningham no. made Lincoln Riley wash his truck for him before they left Vegas. Missed a spot, baby. That is that is beautiful. Um, that is beautiful. And, and Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Not only for the USC shade, but also because Kyle Whittingham's awesome. So yeah, I love he's it. done a great job there. Yes, Be yes. straw with a super chat. Thank you, my friend. Do you think seeing all these kids entering the port into the portal make recruits in the future hesitate to make a college choice just for money? Let me tell you something I've learned about highly talented players. Mm-hmm. They have this mentality. The reason these things perpetuate over decades is because it's whether it's, you know, it's like, you know, I, I had a friend who, who, who lost his life when we were in our twenties and he would do things. And I'm like, bro, you, you can't keep doing that. He's like, but that's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it goes into sports. It goes into a lot of things. There's a lot of people that do things, bro. You can't keep doing that. Well, that's, but that's not going to happen to me. And you see that all the time. Well, I know that happened to him, but I'm so-and-so I'm such and such. And they're promising me this. It's not going to happen to me. Right. And unfortunately that's why this happens and why I don't think what's going on now is going to necessarily shy kids away from it. Cause they'll think, well, yeah, but that's him. He ain't me. And honestly, when I was 18, I'd have been the same way. But yeah, I mean, be sure. I think that there's for me and kind of finish it off Brian's thought, right? I think there's a lot of players that continuously make the same mistakes and that's from like just a human nature perspective. Right. But I do think that there is something to be said about the right types of kids will learn from players before them. I, I do think that. But I, I agree with Brian for the most part, though, that players do tend to make a lot of the same mistakes, man. Like that is a unfortunate fact. So uh, we'll see, though. I mean, hopeful, hopeful that it you know becomes a little bit better. So let me uh, bring up our next question here. This is from Brent Smith, Brian, Ryan. Why does 247 composite continue to marginally drop slot of our 2023 classes? For example, Drake Bowen just won the high school buckus and his composite dropped from 95.73 to 95.56. I mean, Brent, I think there's a lot of reasons for this, man. I mean, look, we could talk a lot about this and we have in the past a ton, but I do think there's something to be said about, and I'm going to use Drake Bowen as an example, right? There's no drama around Drake Bowen's recruitment anymore. There's none. Drake Bowen has been committed to the University of Notre Dame for over a year. He's also a linebacker that plays in Indiana, which I also think isn't a flashy thing for him, right? So I think for me, the players that tend to go to the the perceived moneymakers, right? And I know Notre Dame's a moneymaker, so this isn't perfect, but we know the the flashy teams, right? The Alabamas, the Georgias, those teams, those players tend to get pushed up a little bit. They do. And then I also think that there is a, there's a bias towards the fact that, again, he's from the state of Indiana. Uh, can you have a big time linebacker in the state of Indiana? I think that past has shown that, you know, Jalen Smith came out of Indiana, right? Like there's, there's still some talent that's coming out of the state, although maybe not as regularly as 
some other states. So I think that it's a combination of things, right? I, I don't think that there's one pinpoint, but for me, it's the trip, the typical flash that some people put too much emphasis on. I think that it's again, you know, the Drake Bowens of the world that have been committed to classes for a long period of time. They, they tend to lose a little bit of steam. Uh, you know, they don't want to talk. Nobody wants to talk about Drake Bowen from a recruiting process perspective. We know what type of player he is though. Cause you watch the film and you understand. You look at the box score and you say 144 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, five sacks, over 1,700 yards rushing, 26 touchdowns, all state, Mr. Indiana, and also the Buckus Award winner for the best linebacker in all of high school football. So I think it's unfortunate. I think it's a flawed system, but I think that's reason for why we are where we are. But it's a great question. Going to move on to Joel Easton. Mailbag question. Gavin McDaniel, brother of Cam McDaniel, just entered the portal from SMU. First, did Notre Dame ever recruit him? I know there's uh, not a lot of room in running back room. Any chance Notre Dame takes a look? Uh, Joel, I I don't think so. He's not a player that I have been made aware of from sources that we have, and Brian hasn't mentioned him to me, so I don't think any of his sources have kind of put him on the radar as well. And I think the main thing, because I honestly have not seen Gavin McDaniel. I don't know what type of football player he is. I don't think that Notre Dame recruited him at all coming out of high school. But you mentioned the simple fact of why I don't think that it's it would happen. Notre Dame has few positions that they are looking at heavily, right? We're talking about quarterback in the portal. You're talking about maybe a defensive end, defensive tackle, maybe someone in the secondary, and then wide receiver. Like those are really the positions that they're looking at. And I think that running back is one that I don't even think there's evaluation coming happening right now, because you look at the running back room that you have coming back. I know there's some questions of whether Chris Tyree is going to be here next year, but you have for certain Audrick Estime, you have for certain Logan Diggs, you have for certain Jadarian Price coming back from injury. You have Jerron Payne. You also have Jeremiah Love and Jane Lamar coming in. I mean, that's six backs right there, right? So I, I don't think running back is a priority position. So I don't think that Gavin McDaniel is going to be a part of that conversation. But it's no slight to Gavin McDaniel because there's other talented running backs that are in the portal that I don't think Notre Dame is going to take a look at because they just don't have that need at the running back position right now. All right, and then we had a question from Scott Urbeck who just said, how many commit possibilities are left in the class? So, Scott, this number has changed a lot over the last few weeks, and it's been really interesting to monitor. If you joined the recruiting show or just a a show in Irish Breakdown maybe three to four weeks ago, we talked a lot about the number being 27, right? Number 27 was the number. Notre Dame probably wasn't going to go over that. We know now that – with some defections off the roster, with some guys that won't be returning, that maybe there were some questions on if they would or wouldn't, that that number potentially could climb. Because right now with the Brandon Hillman commitment today, Notre Dame is at 27. They're there. So if you told me that two weeks ago, I would say Notre Dame's done. They don't need any other players. But now the fact that it, you know, we talked about Solomon Davis as a player that Notre Dame's keeping a close eye on, obviously out of the state of California who was – committed to Arizona, just decommitted yesterday. And we know that there was a couple players that Notre Dame is is still eyeing as far as maybe a potential flip. But at one point, 27 was the firm number. But I think that there's possibilities that it could extend past that. 
but there's also a strong possibility or a decent possibility that 27 could be the final number. So 27 was once super firm. I think they're willing to go over that if the situation made sense, but I think 27 is the number still that we're working with, but we'll see if that gets extended with a couple other players that might be interested. Got a super chat here from Ray Panconi. Super sticker. Thank you, Ray. And then he had a, a question that looks like here. In your opinion, what transfer portal QB do you think uh, we have the best chance to get to commit? Glad my classes are over so I can listen live again. Love the show. Honestly, Ray, right now it is hard to say uh, because there's just so much money being thrown at these portal quarterbacks. It's really hard to say. They're going to have to find a kid, and I don't know who that kid is. I, I'm – you know, I don't know who that kid is. It's they're going to have to find a kid that's willing to, to honestly, it's like betting on yourself. If, if Peyton Bowen comes to Notre Dame, it's because Peyton Bowen's betting on himself. Jeremiah love turning down the offers. He got to come to Notre Dame is because he's betting on himself. Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James, all that stuff. They're betting on themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's the same with these quarterbacks. Hey, we can't offer you $3 million like this other school is offering for a one-year rental. We can't offer you that, but here's what we can offer. You come here, you're going to get this opportunity, that opportunity, and we give you a better chance of becoming this player that's going to be picked 15th as opposed to 60th, which more than makes up for the $3 million you're going to lose in NIL money. That's what you preach, right? If you're talking to a tight end from a school and and it's like, hey, you know, yeah, I can't offer you millions through $2 million to go to that school to play there, but you know what you're going to do here? You're going to get in it. You're going to be a first or second round of a draft pick. Get this kind of signing bonus because that's what our tight ends do. Where that school hasn't produced a a top a day one or day two t- draft pick at tight end in X number of years. Right. That's the pitch that they're going to have to use. But for young people, a lot of days the money's so big, and they think that the money means more than it does. And that's what mm-hmm. I try to tell young people is like. Number one, $2 million doesn't go as long as far now as it used to because stuff costs more. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have you better make sure you understand things like taxes and claims and all this other kind of stuff that I, even some of the stuff at, at 40 years old when I started my own business, there was tax code stuff I had to learn that I didn't know about because I'd never been a business owner. So there's all these type of aspects to it, Ryan, that that these kids need to understand, but they don't because they see $5 million. Right. Well, bro, you're not going to see five million dollars. Somebody put a thing in there. It was a funny it's it's a well-known story. But uh, Andre Risen, I think he talked about it in that broke show. He's like, you know, I thought I'm going to make a million, you know, X million dollars or X amount of dollars. And then I get my first paycheck and he runs to the GM. He's like, wait, where's the rest of my money? He's like, that's when I learned about taxes. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like um, that stuff matters. Right. So, like, for example, uh, you know, I told so I bought a home for one hundred ninety thousand dollars. And. You know, some somebody one time was asked, like, you know, is, is it a very big home? And it was a friend of mine from New York. And I'm like, yeah, it's like two stories plus a fully finished. He's like, really? And you got, he's like, is it run down? It's like, dude, I live in Indiana. You live in New York City, right? Like, we're not, this conversation you have, you won't be able to have a concept of how you can buy a home in the suburbs. Ryan, you've seen my house. It's not yep. big, but it's, it's nice. It's comfortable, right? It's, it's four mm-hmm. bedroom. It's. But like in New York, that house is going to cost a lot more, right? And all those things factor into it. So your $10 million contract is going to mean a lot more in Indiana, you know, playing for the Pacers than it would be, or the Colts than it would be if you're playing for the Jets or the, you know, or the Rams or, you know what I mean? Like that's the stuff that these kids are going to have to learn. 
Brian, I was going to say my, my one buddy who, you know, Joe is a producer out in LA and he pays as much for a one bedroom studio apartment as I do for my mortgage on my home. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Facts, man. Crazy. It's wild. It's great. I mean, we lived in Denver and we would, we would have like just two bedroom mm-hmm. apartments that cost as much as our mortgage right now does. And, 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 you know, and we have a fully fenced in backyard. And I mean, you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. our dog, and it's the same thing. It's yep. just like, you know, so, so these kids have to understand that kind of stuff, you know, going to a state where there's no income tax compared to one that has one, yep. you know? And so I, it's just going to come down to a kid that's willing to say, I care more about than just the money grab. I care about getting a place that's going to develop me on and off the field. Mm-hmm. If I can get both great. And some of these kids are going to get both. Some of these kids, like, like if you're a quarterback and, and, uh, and and Lincoln Riley offer. I mean, you say okay, Caleb Williams just took the money at USC. Yeah, but he's also going to play for a guy that, as much as I dislike him, has developed how many first and second round quarterbacks in the last ten years? It's you know good, what I mean? Like, strength. Yeah. You know, like if you're someone who's an offensive lineman, and let's say let's say Notre Dame was offering nil money, and Notre mm-hmm. Dame offered you you know two million dollars, you're like, not only am I getting two million, but I'm going to go get developed by the best offensive line coach in the country. But then the flip side is, do you really – you take that two million to go to so-and-so who hasn't produced a first-round draft in the offensive line in 20 years, or do you want to go make 100000 in Notre Dame, guaranteed, right. and maybe maybe make more, and get developed by the a guy that produces top 10 draft picks like it's like it's his, like it's it's nobody's business? You know what yep. I mean? Those are the things more of these kids have to understand. And it, it, I think over time that may start to happen with some kids. Mm-hmm. But uh, more portal kids than high school. I don't think it's going to have a huge impact at high school. High school kids, they either know it or they don't. But with some of these portal yeah. kids, you're going to see some of these guys like Jordan Addison. You got to wonder yourself, where does Jordan – I'm very curious to see where Jordan Addison gets drafted. Very curious. Mm-hmm. And to see, is it going to be where it's projected now and where it's projected coming out of pit? You know what I mean? Like, it, like I, I mean, I see the, the, the mock draft still have them high. But yeah. as you and I both know, mock drafts don't mean a whole lot. Yeah. Well, what if he falls into round two, right? Mm-hmm. Like, does that is that a warning to the next big time receiver that thinks going to another school is going to, you, you know what I mean? Like, those are the things yeah. that I that are, that are going to take time to figure out. Mm-hmm. You know, like how does this happen? How do, how would this impact a kid? You know what I mean, Ryan? And so those yeah. things are going to be really fascinating to see. Now, the kid may have always been that low of a draft pick. He may never have been a top 15 guy, right? Mm-hmm. Hypothetically speaking, but that's where he was projected. Right. Right. And so mm-hmm. if he falls, then all of a sudden you're like, hey, man, remember this kid who went to such and such and everybody thought this was such a great thing and he wasn't a fit there? Turn, come to find out, he was in a pretty good situation already. Yes. And, but that's going to take four or five years to, really start having a, an impact in my opinion. Yeah, right? You need examples. Yeah. Right. And more than just one. Exactly. Right. Like if it was to happen to Jordan Addison and I don't want it to happen to Jordan Addison, I have nothing against Jordan Addison. Uh, don't love what he did, but it is what it is. Right. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, that's the choice you made, but uh, it, ha- it has to happen more and more and more for it to finally start to have an impact. Right, but if I'm Notre Dame and yeah, if I'm Notre Dame, Ohio State, I'm making sure I'm pointing that out constantly. In Michigan, I'm pointing out constantly. For sure, yeah, okay, sure, you can go take the money, but you know, yep, absolutely. Were you going to say something, Ryan? 
Oh, no, I was just going to say if it's only one example, then it could just be looked at as an outlier. That's all I was going to add. Right. So, exactly. 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 Mm-hmm. And the, there and is there a counter outlier to that too? Exactly. Exactly. You know, a kid that stayed or a kid that went somewhere else and saw his his reputation boost. And so that's the thing is it, it's going to take some time for that. And are some positions going to be worse than others? It's not going to be the same across the board. It may right. be better for quarterbacks than it is receivers. Sure. It may be better for defensive linemen than offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I, we, we don't know. And that's what's going to be kind of fascinating about it. Yep. So uh, people asking me if I had to step away for that call, if it was Keon Keeley. Keon does not have my phone number, so I can assure you it was not Keon <laughs> Keeley. Uh, but uh, if it was Keon Keeley, I would have came back with a lot more excitement than uh, than that. I'd have been like, yeah, the whole time. <laughs> but no, it was uh, – anyway, here's here's one, Ryan. Did you get to uh, – you took away all the ones you got to? Yes. Yep, I'm okay. sorry. Yep. So we got that one. I want to see if there's any more super chats we got to get to uh, with your chest. Thank you for the super chat. Preach, Brian. These stereotypes regarding kids and money need to end. And you're right that the easy road isn't always the right one. And the hard road's not always the right one. Right. Also it true. is different for every kid. It's yep. just by and large, it's the, the road that is like Michael Johnson said, you know, the four for 40 is real. Yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely is for sure. Michael, he's nails it because. The easy path is not always the right path, and the hard path is not always the right path. It's it's yep. the right path is the right path. I think more often than not, it's not so much about harder, or it's 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 about it's harder to get all the tools you need. It's more work, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it harder. And I think more often than not, that's usually the the, the best path, especially for a young person. But it's not always the case, and every circumstance is different, as as we've said. That's why I love that this staff is so openly welcomed alumni back, right? Yeah. To kind of talk to the players because they lived it, man. Like not all these alumni that were have are now really successful businessmen and play in the NFL or didn't, you know, like not a lot of a lot of some of them had, didn't come from the best backgrounds, right? Not the best environments, not the best settings, and yet they're making the most of it. I mean, I remember when we had Bertrand Berry on and Oscar McBride, and they speak to the four for forty now as adults that have not been around South Bend for some time now, and they still talk about the impact and the group chats are still a part and the alumni program and, and all that type of stuff. Right. So I, I think that the people that have been through it understand the, the major mm-hmm. impact. And that's why I like that they give those guys so much opportunity and so much access to some of these recruits now, which is great. Absolutely. Uh, super chat here from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Brian currently at the airport flying across the country to see my dad. It's travel safe, buddy. But I wanted to ask, how did you and Vince connect to do a show and start IB? Hmm. Well, I met Vince and we're not even sure how exactly we met, but basically we met at Notre Dame football games. Vince was working for, um, doing like the rate, I think radio and we just connected. We just talked and, you know, I didn't, I don't necessarily get along with a lot of the people in their name beat. Like I got along with Lusamoji and Tim Priester and all that, but there were some other people that weren't very welcoming when I joined and whatever. Uh, but Vince and I connected a lot and just had a lot in common and we would just talk at football games and then eventually we talk off, off the air and just became good friends. And so um, when I was, when I was planning on, so I had brought, I had convinced our boss to bring Vince on to help out, just do some little things on the side at, at Blue and Gold. And then obviously everything went down where I realized it was it was time for me to leave BGI. And then also, because I was going to leave BGI no matter what, but just when was going to be the key. 
And then I just kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I can go try to find another job with one of the other networks. Or I can just do my own thing. So I decided I was going to do my own thing. I'm very fortunate and blessed. I have an amazing wife, but even more specific to what I want to do, my wife is a web designer. She builds websites and she built our our message board from scratch. And so the plan was to simply have her start my own site. And so uh, we were in the process of doing that. And then I got in contact with someone from, from the uh, SI Maven from Maven and they were la- talking about launching the what is now the Fan Nation Network. And so I got in on the uh, sort of the ground floor of that and had some negotiations with them. And uh, when I got out of my non-compete with my my boss, and that's what people people say, well, you can leave your job and there's no consequence. No, no, there's not. I had to I had to negotiate out of a non-compete. I had to give up money to get out of a non-compete, right? Uh, so I could go start my own thing. And he didn't know at the time that I already had something else lined up because it wasn't his business. He didn't ask. And so I left BGI and a week later, I started Irish Maven. I hated that name. <laughs> and so my my wife actually came up with a name for Irish Breakdown. And that was the name for our podcast because we were going to launch a podcast that was independent of the Irish Maven stuff. Well, eventually I said, hey, I want to make I want to make the name of the website Irish Breakdown. And that's when we went through the rebrand there. Uh, but Vince and I had talked all along about when I leave, I want you to come with me. I want you to be a part of what we're doing. Cause I don't like doing shows alone. I think it's just better dynamic. I'm, there are very few Rush Limbaugh types that can carry a show <laughs> for three hours without anybody else. Right. There are very few people that I think can effectively do that. And he, you know, and, and I'm not one that can, in my opinion, and I don't enjoy it as much either. And I always said, I'm going to do something. I I'm, do things I enjoy. Right. And so Vince was just a good friend. I trust Vince. He and I have had a lot of conversations about what I was going to do. And he was a, he was a good friend. I relied on him. And I think we do, we do good work together. And so it just made sense when I was going to leave that I'd want him to come with me. But he was also got an offer to stay at BGI through the full fall season to replace me. And it made a lot of sense for him to do that because I couldn't pay him right away. And mm-hmm. so he did that. And then when the season was over with, he told them he was leaving and we started doing a show together. And so uh, Vince and I had always kind of talked about doing the podcast part together. The website was a different deal. Vince, it's not really his thing, but uh, it just came out of friendship, honestly. And we're very, we have a lot of share, a lot of the same values in life and politically and religiously. And, you know, just little things like we both don't drink, you know, it's, it, it's not a big deal, but it's just, it's just another thing that we had in common. And, and, uh, You know, I've told Vince a lot of personal visions that I had about the business and not once has anyone ever said, hey, I heard you're doing this or this or this because I know he's trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's was really it. I had a vision and I I wanted someone to kind of come along with me that I thought would bring value. And Vince did a lot of the, you know, because I'm putting out content. Vince is doing a lot of the digging on how it works to, you know, do this platform and doing research on how to monetize YouTube. So he was valuable in those areas. Uh, and so, uh, it, it was just a lot of fun, it, but it was good. I mean, look, I feel like I've done so much work to build up Irish breakdown, but I don't know if it would have grown as quickly if I had to do it all by myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'll always be indebted to Vince because he was there when I couldn't pay him a dime. Brian Smith was the same way. I couldn't pay him hardly anything. And he was still willing to help out because of the relationship and the friendship we have. And, those people, I'm always being indebted to those people for being there for me when, you know, I couldn't offer them anything except 
a voice and friendship and, and a platform and they still got on board and they saw the vision and they believed in it. And, you know, and that's like Ryan, like the way I hired Ryan. So it, it, can I share the story about how sure. you, okay. So I actually went to Ryan cause Ryan was doing some NFL draft work for us. And I said, Hey man, I'm looking to hire a new recruiting person. You know, do you know anyone or, and so Ryan's like, yeah, I know a couple of people and he reached out and then Ryan calls me. He's like, Hey man, I would actually like to, are you okay if I apply for it? And I was like, of course. And I honestly had no intention of hiring Ryan. And he knew that. I think I flat out told you that. I was like, look, as long as you understand, if I don't hire you, there's no be hard feelings because he hadn't done recruiting at all. Mm-hmm. And then the interview was great. And Ryan did a great job and Joe did a great job. And, and we also interviewed um, Kyle Kelly, who now does recruiting for rivals. And he did a great job. I, I thoroughly enjoyed interviewing Kyle and, and I'm happy to see him on the beat now. He's a really good dude. But uh, Ryan just nailed it and the vision he had and, and the willingness he was to kind of do something he had never done before. Uh, but also the the tools he had doing the draft stuff, I thought would, would relate really well. And he was very coachable. So but he believed in the vision. And I think that's why, you know, I think that's why he I, maybe I'm wrong, Ryan, but I feel like that's always been a reason why you've we've clicked so well is because when I say, Hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm doing this other thing. You've always kind of been on board because there's a belief in the vision that, that I have for what I was breakdown and, and, um, and then your role in helping to build it up. And so I just want to, that's why Sean Davis is is with us because Sean and I are friends and he believes in what we're doing and he's a good man and someone who I want to go along this ride with, because that's invaluable to me. People that I trust, people that I enjoy working with. It's like Sean Styers and I were talking the other day. It's like, I like working with Sean. Like sometimes I got to say to him and Vincent football, he's a guy, we got to keep our volume down because we're down on the yard, like being really loud and boisterous because we're just having fun together at another name. I'm like, guys, this is a working press box. We got to lower our volume. A little bit. <laughs> but I like being with people that I like and being around and I've, and I, and people that I trust mm-hmm. and that believe in, in what I'm doing and what we're doing and, and are going to help build it. And that's what Vince was. I mean, he was, he was there at the, at the beginning and that's why I'll always be indebted to him. And, um, and I'm glad Ryan's along for the right too, but I think you'll even attest to that Ryan. Mm -hmm. Look, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a prick, but the rest of the stuff, it's good. good. Vince is the salt of the earth. You know, Sean Davis is salt of the earth. Sean Styers is salt of the earth. I mean, just good dudes that I Mm -hmm. enjoy being around. And that's when you work the hours we work, Mm -hmm. you have to be with people that you get along with, or it's just going to be, and I learned this the hard way. The yes. last two places I worked, I was just around people uh, other than Lou. Lou uh-huh. was great to work with. But other than Lou, I just didn't necessarily like the people I was around. Mm-hmm. We didn't have similar visions. And it just made for a really grating daily work experience. I enjoy what I do. And it makes it easier to put in the long hours because, you know, Ryan and I will spend an hour talking like, oh, yeah, by the way, here's what I called about. <laughs> it's like or we'll hang up and then i'll text him hey dude i forgot to tell you the thing that i called about and and i i feel bad sometimes because i have add so like sometimes (laughs) i'll just start talking about something completely different not related (laughs) get off on a tangent like it's not yeah but it's good people. How, how many how many times on this podcast have we been like a completely random thought here but <laughs> yeah 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 Wait a minute, what are we talking about again i, I, I really uh, set this up well you want to talk uh, about angela being a saint my wife is also a saint man yeah. like there's some times where i'm just like she's like what are you talking about right now and i'm like i don't i don't know i'm not really <laughs> sure what i'm talking about <laughs> no and you know what though honestly though is we couldn't do this if um it, we couldn't do this if if it wasn't 
if we didn't have that support system. I, I, I couldn't have taken the risk, the financial risk that I took if Angela didn't have my back. Right. And support it. Like Ryan, you, you did as well. I mean, you had to, there were some things that you had to sacrifice leaving the job. You had to come here mm-hmm. and it doesn't work if, if your wife wasn't supportive of it. And that's a big Absolutely. part of it too, is I'll, I'll gladly say like, my wife's the one that came up with the name Irish breakdown. I mean, I, I I've said this before. I mean, who, where'd the logo come from? She designed that, mm-hmm. you know, like she's as much a part of this as I am. And that's why I've always yeah. said like, Look, look, yes. Does, does, was Irish Breakdown my vision? Yeah, sure it was. But I didn't have the talent in some of these other areas to make it work the way that it has worked. I needed Angela for what she could provide and her expertise. I needed Vince for what he could provide and his expertise. Same with Ryan, same with Sean. And, and to me, that's what makes this such a, a great place to work is, you know, I don't want like the reason I, so like when I interviewed Sean Sarge, he's like, now listen, I don't do the in-depth breakdowns that you do. I said, yeah, I know. That's one of the things I like because I don't want your show to just be a 6 p.m. version of our show. Right. Right. Like I want something different. I value what you're good at and I want you to bring what you're good at here. And that's what the next hire will be. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, Angela's been a huge part of this. I, I feel like if you're going to be successful, you have to have a vision. You have to have, you have to believe in it. You have to be willing to sacrifice for it, but you also need to know the people that are there to have your back. Um, I never needed to do it, but I would have known that if I needed a, a financial push, I would have been able to call my parents and they would have helped out. I never needed it. I've never taken out a loan or anything like that, but, but you're, it's, you're more willing to take those risks when you know, if I get into a bad spot, I know that I have people that I can rely on. And it's a, it makes it a lot easier to, to get up every day and grind when you know you, you're doing work you love, you're around people you like, and you have a great support system. Well, so. well Brian, I, I would even say just to add, like, when you offered me the job, I mean, it was a no-brainer for me, right? Like, I, you know, it, it, <laughs> it didn't, it didn't take offer. <laughs> I know. Like, I was like, I was like, it? yes. Like, I, 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 I'll say yes right now. Right. But, you Can know, you let I'm me sorry. finish the offer, please? <laughs> I'd like to get it all out, please. <laughs> But I had to talk to my wife, obviously, and I remember I brought it up to her and, you know, there's some risk involved. Sure. There's always a little bit of risk. Right. My, my wife's just like, why are you asking me this? Like, you're going to take it. Right. And I'm like, yeah, babe, I am. Thank, thank you for your support. You know, like it, it, it really does go a long way, man. People kind of underestimate that sometimes, but the support system just means so much. And that's why I also like covering the recruits if Notre Dame goes after. Right. Because I mean, I've just been blessed to be able to talk to such great parents, you know, and such great support systems that some of these kids have. It's just, it's wonderful to kind of get to know some of these people. Cause you, you just realize how many just really like Jeremiah love, you see Mm -hmm. the football talent, right? Yes. But then you talk to him as a kid and you're like, this is a really like unique kid. Like this is a really sharp kid. Like, like interest and talents that you're like, you wouldn't know that watching the football field, right? Right. Like, he would like he would. I mean, for people that don't know the background of Jeremiah Love, like he wants to do something in the science field so he can just kind of be by himself in a lab. Like, yes. and, he, and he loves like anime, yes. and it's just it's unique, man. It is really yes. unique. <laughs> These kids have like Everett Golson was a really good pianist. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, who who knew? There's so many of these kids you just get to know me like, man, what a great kid. What a great family. Like there's kids who have transferred away from Notre Dame who I still talk to their dads constantly. Kids whose, you know, parents whose kids played in Notre Dame, they they're in the NFL and they've been gone for several years. And yep. we talk constantly. 
and, and that's one of the cool things is you just meet so many cool people from all over the country. And, and Notre Dame really does re- recruit a unique branded kid. Yes. And, and uh, even some that don't end up here, Keon Keeley's an example. Keon's a really good kid. Yes. And that's why I'll pull for him wherever he goes. Like, I mean, he's just a good kid and he's a different type type of kid. He's not your typical five-star kid. That's just a big prick and, you know, thinks he's this and and goes and commits with a Chucky doll. It is, you know what I mean? Like he's just a good kid. Yes. And, and that's one of the joys of doing this. Now it's a grind because you're on the phone constantly. Uh, but uh, it does make it fun. It just does make it fun. So anyway, Charlie, thanks for that question. Uh, I, I do. Uh, Gregory Gilbert says, hopefully you trust me and give me a job. <laughs> I appreciate the super chat, Gregory. Uh, very, very, very much. Very, very much. Um, yeah. Uh, Irish in Ohio says, I'm glad everything has worked out for IB. I absolutely love this podcast, especially during the off season. It keeps me sane. Yeah, well, it makes me go insane sometimes. But, yes, I'm glad it helped you out. Absolutely. As Michael John said, I'm, I agree. I'm retired Navy air crew and being stuck in an airplane for 12 hours. You have to have friends or it's a long flight. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. I don't like being on a flight for two hours, much less 12. Ugh. But, Michael, in all seriousness, buddy, thank you so much for your service. And and Michael's one of the OGs on the show. Michael's been around for a long time on the show. We're We're glad to have you. And, and truly, truly thank you for your service, especially on a day like today, you mm-hmm. know, December 7th, it's the anniversary yeah. of the Pearl Harbor attack. Uh, you know, it's a very somber day, you know, and, um, but uh, yeah, we appreciate you, buddy. We appreciate you. Uh, Tom Frawley with Super Chat. Thank you, Tom. I'm delighted to learn how IB started. The proof positive why I love you, your work, guys. You make me a better Notre Dame fan, and I've been a fan since 1971. I appreciate wow. that, Tom. Means the world. Means the world. It hasn't always been easy. You know, because when I when I took this when I started this, as you remember, Ryan, it was in the fall of 2019. Well, do you remember what happened about five months later? The world stopped. There was no sports. <laughs> yeah, I'm covering sports, and there's no sports to cover. You know, um, you know. So um, that, was, that was a weird time covering yeah, sports, man. It was. It was, it was. It was. There's no doubt. I'm doing like, you know, best of all time. This, and I'm just like trying to like. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to write about. I'm just. I have no clue what to do. Uh, but uh, it was a fun time, and to see this this community grow as it has has just been so fun. And there's so I mean, because even in this chat, there's so many different type of people from different parts. We've got truck drivers, doctors, yeah. people in the Navy, lawyers, we've got all types of people, ladies. Like I was surprised to learn, like when we did the live Jeremiah Love Show, there was like three ladies that came up to me and like their husbands were just kind of hanging around and they're like, I don't really follow football, but the wives are like, man, I hope they get this kid and they need to go get the this one's like, they need a quarterback. And she's like just going off mm. on me. I mean, a quarterback. And I'm like, Amen, sister. Like I'm with you. You know what I mean? Like, but why are you yelling at me? It's not my job. That's why. But it's just a great, it's a great group of people, you know. And then to see how all the people showed up at Jeremiah's commitment, like these are all people that from all over the country that just have one love, one passion. That's people say, why don't you talk about politics? Why don't you talk about culture? Because because those things are divisive. Mm-hmm. This is something that unites us. Our love of football. And and like we got Antoine Johnson, who's a Michigan fan in here. We got Archer, who's an Ohio State fan, right? We got Roger Dodger from USC. Ladarius. Great contributions leading up to it. Ladarius is an Alabama fan. But we all have a love. We love college football. And most people in this chat love Notre Dame. And so why would I focus on things that can be divisive when there's so much that unifies us? And that's that's why we talk about what we talk about. So, yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, so that's that. So let's see, get to a few more questions before we got to get out of here. I want to, speaking of our, our uh, resident Ohio State fan, Archer, here's, here's one for you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. If you were Ryan Day, who would you hire as Ohio State's next offensive coordinator? Obviously, Kevin Wilson is leaving to become become, become the uh, head coach at Tulsa. My answer is yeah. easy, Ryan. Your next offensive coordinator is on your staff. His oh, name is yeah. Brian Hartline. You need to keep that guy on staff and yeah. you can, right? So yeah. I mean, because they still call him plays. So right. do you think do you think that should change? I know there's been a lot of pushback and like maybe he should give up play calling duties. I don't know. I think it's tough. I, I don't think he should. I think yeah. he needs to figure out because because uh, I don't think he he shouldn't do it until he's ready to do it. Right. Because otherwise, he's just going to keep getting back involved and be like that guy, like Brian Kelly was that 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 you know just always had his fingers in it. And it's like, dude, you either need to be in or be out. You know what I mean? Sure. But um, you know, I think the thing for me is when I look at it, Ryan is, Mm I I, if he if he's willing to do it, then fine. But he's not willing to do it, in my opinion. He but he step one was find a defensive coordinator that can run the defense by himself. And then the next step is you need to figure out who you are as a football team and 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 develop more to that. And I, I think he's I, still trying to find his way in that regard. I, I think this offseason is going to be a big opportunity for Ryan Day to kind of have some realization towards what he wants to do offensively. Because, I, I mean, Brian, there's moments where I'm like, dude calls a really good game, you know, and then there's moments where I just think that the balance just leaves, you know. The and Michigan kinda, game was one of the worst – called games I've ever seen him have. Yeah. Like and, no creativity, no aggressiveness, no balance. And all. he coached scared. Is I mean that's how yes. I felt. He was coaching scared in my opinion. Yep. yep. So I, I mean but again, he is in the position he is at now because he was a really good play caller, right? He was a good offensive mind. So I do think you can get back to it. It's just it's going to be interesting to see cuz I mean, you can't imagine how much uproar on the Ohio State side of things is, man. I've seen people like calling for not only his head, but just like, oh, you got to stop calling plays. Yeah. You got to stop calling plays. I'm just like, yeah. really? Isn't that why he is where he is right now? <laughs> like, I I think their issues are more about, about how they go about their business on a daily basis. I think that's what needs to change because mm-hmm. he wants to be a tougher team. That's why he brought in Jim Knowles. That's why he hired Justin Fry. Yep. I just don't think he knows how to get the team ready for that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. That to me is more the issue. It's like I think he wants the right things. I just don't think he right now is is understands the 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 steps you need to take from January to March and then in spring ball and then and then from a Monday to Friday standpoint to get your team ready to go play to hit people in the mouth. Yeah. Whatever they're doing, they're a team that if you get into a track meet with Ohio State, good luck. You're going to need it. Mm-hmm. But the the recipe that Michigan has found the last two years is best way to slow someone down. If I'm about to race Usain Bolt, you know, the only way I can beat him is if I punch him in the face and, and you know what I mean? And then hope that it knocks him out. So I can, you know what I mean? Like you get the hyperbole that I'm doing here, right? He'd still probably, I'd be like 30 yards down the road. He'd still get up and then beat me with a concussion. Uh, But you get the point that I'm making, right? Like the best way to slow down that team is to punch him in the mouth. And we've seen this over the years. We've seen this throughout the years. What did, what was the recipe that teams figured out with the St. Louis Rams, right? Best way to throw off that offense get physical with them. What did the Press, Patriots do in the Super yeah. Bowl? Beat him up at the line of scrimmage. Yep. Cuz I can't run with Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce once they get into their route. I got no chance. But but, but if you can't if you can't get off the line though, it's high law. Yeah, Bingo. Yeah. Yep. Bingo. 
Yeah. It's always been the case. Best way to beat this. T- what was what did what was Stanford's recipe against USC and Oregon? Beat them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beat them up. That's what you need to do. And mm-hmm. so, to me, because remember when Nick Saban got into the SEC, the mm-hmm. SEC had kind of evolved. It was more. It had more of Steve Spurrier's influence than it had a power football influence, and he brought that back. Right. He made that the thing again. Right. And he started to do it at LSU. And then really took it to another level in Alabama. Because who had dominated the SEC before he showed up? It was Urban Meyer and his spread offense. And before that, it was Steve Spurrier and the the, run, the fun and gun, right? And Steve Spurrier was still pretty darn good at that time because he was in South Carolina and went 11-2 in back-to-back years, running the same offense. So I think that's always the, – the team's fine. That's always the best way is to just beat them up, right? Yeah. And I think Ryan Day has to understand – that's always going to be your kryptonite until you can figure out a way to make your team tougher physically right. and mentally. You can throw the football and be tough, Absolutely. but it's harder. It's yeah. harder. It's harder for an offensive line to be physical when you're dropping back that much because pass blocking by nature is a passive trait. Mm-hmm. It, by nature, it's just a passive trait. And so I think that's something he needs to figure out. And I don't. he hasn't found the answer for that yet because Michigan has verbally and physically punked Ohio State twice now over the last year yeah and basically talk trash to Ohio State the whole offseason and Ohio State did nothing about it that shocked me I was floored by I did not see that coming probably the biggest surprise for me all season wasn't that Michigan beat Ohio State wasn't the Michigan beat you know pulled away late it was that they've that Ohio State showed no fight when Michigan (sighs) punched him in the mouth after what Michigan has said about you the last year you know crazy it really was man crazy. And they lost their complete identity in that football game too because yeah. they had been a better team at linebacker they've been a better offensive line for the most part this year and then they just reverted back it was it was odd to see but yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens to ohio state this offseason no doubt no doubt i want to thank remington jeans for this comment this is the best show for covering their name nothing against other shows but they don't even compare to ib you guys are so enjoyable let's do keep it up thanks for everything you go you guys stand for I appreciate that very, very much. And I appreciate you giving respect to other shows too, because there's some good people on this beat that I get along yeah. with. And it doesn't have to be, I like IB, so let's tear down the other one. Some of them need to be torn down a little bit because they're, you know, but others are just, they're good people. It's just, I I hope we do it better. Otherwise, what are we doing it for, right? That's kind of always my goal is I still want to be the best. That's part of the reason I wanted to hire Ryan is, is he's doing a good job, but I think he, he wants to do a better job. I want him to do a better job. I want to do a better job. And we're always going to have that. And that's where, that's where our football background comes from. You know, is that, is that, yeah, sure. I did a good job this year. I want to do an even better job next year, an even better job the next year. And we all, we all have that. We all have areas where we can and need to get better. And, yeah. um, but we, we, we think the foundation is strong and we appreciate that so many of you believe that. So, yeah. Yeah. We we'll get the next one. Uh, Derek Galloway. What about Josh Burnham? He is a stud already, and that man right there can get to the quarterback. Well, in theory, Derek, we think he can. Yes. Uh, I think we're no, – look, I'll, I'll say this. Two things can be true at the same time. Notre Dame, from what I'm told from multiple sources, loves Josh Burnham's upside. Loves it. Loves it. But they're also at the point now where he is still kind of new to this position where they can't guarantee that he's going to be ready to be the guy next year. Right. Right? So uh, bridge that gap. And then if Josh Burnham beats that guy out, you're still pretty good, right? <laughs> Same thing at quarterback. 
Notre Dame looking for a transfer quarterback does not mean that they've lost faith in, faith in Tyler Buckner. It means they understand that we can't guarantee that Tyler's going to A, develop, and B, be healthy. Right. And then the thought is, but if that guy comes and Tyler beats him out, we're great. But mm-hmm. they need to recruit somebody that's a dude, and then maybe Tyler can learn, and then maybe his time comes down the road. But you can't just assume a kid's going to pan out that you haven't seen pan out. You give him that opportunity, but you also then recruit high school kids and transfer kids that say, hey, we're going to – here's what it is. It's simple. you got to widen your margin for error as much as you can with an 85 scholarship limit. That's what mm-hmm. it comes down to. If this guy pans out, great. If he doesn't, you can't be screwed. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's happened in the past is when so-and-so would go down, they were screwed. Other positions, they were okay. Yeah. You know, but – and sometimes, like, they lost this kid, they're screwed. You know, and you just can't – you can't be there. I will say this though. I did see Joshua Burnham in person during the Boston college. I mean, during the uh, Navy game and and Syracuse. Remember? Yes. Pre-game. You and I are talking uh, about. Oh it. yes. Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he looks the part, man. So let's hope, let's hope that it's, that it's going to yeah. be that, but on paper, I don't disagree, Derek. I mean, he's long, he's explosive, he's talented. It's just about now actualizing that into the until Saturdays. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Michael Johnson says, why was the basketball game postponed? That was the women's game. Uh, All I was told is uh, health protocols. And I think we all know what that's code for. I didn't realize that was still a thing. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Anyway, but yes, Josh Burnham is a kid that the staff is very high on. It's just, does the light go on this offseason or next? I think that's the question. And we have one from Sky Sly Fox. Is Tayshawn Lyon still a possibility, or has that ship sailed? I believe that ship has sailed. I know he listed Notre Dame in his top four. I don't believe Notre Dame is looking at him right now. I I, I, I can do some digging into that, but the last conversation I had a couple weeks ago was that that wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll do some digging into that. And if I find out something, you know where I'm going to post it, right, on the message boards. <laughs> like somebody was great. Somebody texted me last night, and they said, hey, uh, you know, what's the latest? I think it was the Jaden Lamar stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, you know, if I have an answer to that, I'm going to post it on the premium board. And he was like, sold. And he went, signed up. So I was like, cool. That's what it is, man. So, yeah. Uh, Connor Nepper with a comment. Uh, Connor says, as Brian has been saying, this class is stacked with football players, not just athletes, football players. Go Irish. Freeman is doing what it takes to build a championship roster. I think he's taking the steps there. They're not there yet, right? They're not there. And this is kind of, and this leads into this next question from Mike Hoff. He says, the 23 class is unlike any class we can really remember since the early 90s. Brian, can you say this is gap erasing? No, not yet. It's it's majorly closing the gap, but it's not completely gap erasing. There, there's, there, I'll say this. If I could change one thing about this class, mm-hmm. there's one change I could make that would make this a gap erasing class. That's Keon Keeley. Sure. Because then you you literally hit a home run at every position you made. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the only thing lacking for me. Big time secondary, big time linebackers, big time O-line, big time receiving core, big time running back room, really good tight end, big time quarterback. You're missing and big time big boys on the D-line. Yeah. You're just missing one thing, an edge, a, a, a get after the quarterback twitchy dominant edge player. That's literally the only thing this class is m- missing. And and because of where it started from as far as closing the gap, they needed that to, to erase the gap from a recruiting mm-hmm. standpoint. There's a lot of a lot needed on the field to, to prove that. But from a recruiting standpoint, Keon Keeley was the difference. He was that top five overall, twitchy, elite edge rusher that would have changed the game for Notre Dame. 
that's all they're missing right now, in my opinion. They have a top 100 quarterback, top 100 running back, and the number two running back that nobody talks about until Oregon's coming after him had a monster senior season in Jalen Lamar. 2,000 yards. Yes. Elite receiving class, one of the best tight ends in the country, and probably the best tight end in the country for what Notre Dame wanted and needed a tight end. Right, like Deuce Robinson to me is the best tight in the country, but Notre Dame didn't need that type of athlete. As I mean, not that they wouldn't have wanted it, but like <laughs> they needed a Cooper Flanagan type, a Walker. guy that can line up and block his butt off. You know what I mean? Yes. Elite offensive line class, excellent big boys on the D line, elite linebacker class, elite secondary class. They're missing one thing, mm-hmm. and that's that twitchy edge rusher. So if okay. they would have got Keon Mike, I'd have said, Yeah, it's a gap racing class right now. It closes the gap in a major way, but not completely. Why? Because the kid that you I'm just talking about is going to a school that's ahead of you right now. And that's I mean, if Keon would have gone to Kentucky, then it then then yeah, you're closing the gap a big way on Alabama, but he's probably gonna go to Alabama, right? Supposedly is what everybody's saying. I don't know that for a fact. I haven't talked to Keon in a long time, but that's what everybody's reporting. And you know, so it, it widens that a little bit there. Yeah. Uh Tommy Guns asks you, Ryan. Ryan, with the Adams family firing the GM Robinson, if you were to replace him, who would you draft first at tennis for Tennessee? So, if you're the GM at Tennessee, who do you take first, Michael Mayer or Jackson Smith and Jigba? Oh, Michael Mayer. I look. I I I was I've talked about this a little bit in the preseason, Brian. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's a really really good slot at the next level. I think he's a really good secondary. I think that he's a really good second option in offense in the passing game. He could be a high-volume catcher, in my opinion. But Michael Mayer is a bona fide first-round pick. I think that I can get other players similar to a Jackson Smith and Jigba in the second or third rounds. I do think I can get that. Michael Mayer, the drop-off from Michael Mayer to whatever's next, whether it is Darnell Washington or Dalton Kincaid or whatever – is a massive drop off. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's easily Michael Mayer for me. I wouldn't even think much about that one. Yep. And for, and for, and for Tennessee as well. I mean, they just drafted Traylon Burks last year in the first round, who's been good when healthy, right? So they already drafted a wide receiver last right. year. Tight end wise, you know, they just don't really have an answer at tight end right now as well. So. All right, next question as we get close to wrapping this up. Irish in Ohio says, Brian Ryan, are you surprised by how many Notre Dame players have entered the portal? Sounded like more guys would have entered the portal by now, waiting until after the bowl game. I did not expect necessarily a mass exodus on the first day. There's Mm -hmm. some other kids that are trying to work through some things. There's some kids who are are going to uh, stay for the spring semester and get their degree and then enter the portal for next year later because they're going to get their degree first. So it's going to be over time. It's not the mass exodus that right. you're seeing from other some other schools. It's going to be more in time. Yes. Yeah. Did, did so. you see, um, I, Brian, it was crazy. I saw, so Texas A&M yesterday had 16 players enter. You know, Arkansas had 15? I, was I like, saw wow, that. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. Alabama's losing starters. Yes. Like, yes. it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. That's not happening in Notre Dame. A lot of SEC schools are yeah. losing a lot of players right now. It's weird. Well, it's if you're these kids and like I went to the school, like we're going to see this more in the SEC, I believe, mm-hmm. in the schools that buy kids. Because if 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 you're if a kid's willing to just make his choice purely for money, yeah, even if he plays, why would he? What you're going to see him do is is you're going to say, okay, I'm going to get my big payday now, mm-hmm. right, and then I'm going to jump into portal again next year and start this process all over again, right. 
you know um yeah makes sense i mean that's what you're gonna see happen that's just i mean that's just the reality of it so it is what it is that's why you have to make sure you're recruiting kids that are truly bought into to, to more than just the money and, yes. I, and, I, and it's like notre dame's like if a kid just if a kid this is what i've been told notre dame has no problem talking to kids about nil none Sure. They lay out the plan, but when kids lead with that, what kind of they're like, no, this it's, a, work. it's a red flag. It's, a red it's flag. not going to work, you know. Yeah. And 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 that's the thing is like, there's kids they've reached out to, and they're like, well, what kind of nil package are you going to meet? Reach? Okay, that that tells me this you're not you're not coming here for the right reasons. If that's the only thing that I can do to get you here, then then you probably best not to be here. It's not, it's not a good fit because yeah. that kid's leaving after a year if he's not playing, right? right? And sometimes as we're finding with some of these SEC schools, even if they are playing. They're going to leave. Belief. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's smart. Again, there's they have had plenty of NIL conversations with their current recruits, but it's mm-hmm. more about here's what our NIL deal is. You come here. These are the opportunities that every student athlete gets. As long as you maintain your grades, you're guaranteed to get X amount of dollars because there is that happening in their name right now, from what I'm told. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. kid is going to minimum get X amount of dollars just by – keeping your grades up doing and Brady Quinn's talked about it. There's the other things that are part of it. And, and then beyond that, it's going to depend on, you know, how much success you have as a player. Right. But we're not going to match that offer. Mm-hmm. You're coming here because you're, you understand about what we can offer you academically, your future football and have an NIL package. Sure. And if a kid's not willing to buy into that, then this isn't the place for them. Right. And that's so when a kid leads with that, they've had plenty of commerce. I mean, they, they're not afraid to talk in with kids. But if that's if that's the number one decision maker for a kid, Notre Dame bows out and should and says, hey, look, we'd love to have you. But if it doesn't work out, you know, if, if you change your mind and your emphasis, come back, we'd love to have you. So we'll see. A bit Indy mailbag. Do you still feel the Bowen situation? Peyton Bowen situation is different. Anymore in Walker last year. If he is telling the staff all the right things, why not just tell Oklahoma goodbye and end the circus? Look, I'm not going to get into all that. There's reasons why Peyton Bone is doing what he's doing. All I can tell you is what we know. And what we know is is what we reported and what we put on the message board. So I definitely feel the situation is different because I don't feel that Peyton Bowen, number here's two big differences. As I said last year, I always felt that Amorian Walker viewed Notre Dame as a placeholder. I'm going to commit to them because it's Notre Dame unless something better comes along. I also felt like that he was not always upfront with Notre Dame on what he was doing and why. And from everything we have been told from both sides of this conversation, Peyton Bowen has, has like the first time he visited another school, he went just kind of with his brother and Notre Dame was like, Hey, just let us know, man, we're good. And from that moment, he's always been honest with them about what he's doing, where he's going. There's been no surprises. Who's coming to see me, where I'm going to see. He's been honest with them. And so I think that I think that there's a lot of assumptions that are happening right now that that I want to wait to comment on until after signing day. Yeah. You know, but the difference is, is I, I feel that the Bowen family and Bowen have always been honest with us, with Notre Dame. And so I'd never felt that way about the Amorian Walker situation. That's to me, the biggest difference. And Peyton Bowen didn't commit to Notre Dame as a placeholder. He committed Notre Dame when he already was a top 50 prospect. Now he wasn't the five star he is now, but it's not like he was ranked 250 like Keon or not even in the top hundred like Keon. And then all of a sudden he blows up. 
It's a different situation. So I think that's another part of it too, uh, to me, in my opinion. PA Irishman, this is great. Enjoying IB Nation all day on my early Christmas present from my amazing wife on the new 86-inch Samsung TV. Now I know kind of what I want to put on my Christmas wish list. Good night. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, that's nuts. That's awesome. That's like a little mini movie theater. I was about to say, that's like a projector, man. (laughs) Yeah, that's always been like a dream of mine to have like somewhere in my house, I have like the, you know, little theater. And of course, I couldn't do that in my house because it's too small. But uh, that would always be a cool thing to do. My, my in-laws have the like the big projector outside mm-hmm. or whatever with like, the screen and everything. It's my sister nice. does that. Yeah, they live out in the yeah. country, so they they kind of yes. do that. But it's yeah, it's they'll like hook it up to the back of the house and like it's a big yeah. projector they pull down. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. But uh, Ricky Harris says, "Hey Brian, uh, before you shut it down, can you tell me why Jordan Johnson hasn't seen the field at his new school? I've always been uh, be trying to see if he's going to play, and he never does. That's a good question. Mm. And from what I understand, I mean, it just he said, you know, if he always right? puts, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he always puts in the work and hat, you know, to, to be where he needs to be. I think that's really what it boils down to. That's the only thing I've ever heard. I, I honestly haven't asked a lot to be honest with you, Ricky. So I don't know. It, it's not talent. He's got talent, but he's not talented enough to where if he's not putting in the work, he's not going to get there. I, and I, and sometimes you wonder like, did his confidence get shaken during his year? No, I don't know. I, I mean, there may be something to that, but it's a good question. It's a great, great comment here, Ryan. I'm, I'm literally laughing over here when I saw this. Robert Bishop says, does anyone else think that Cam Rising from Utah kind of looks like Ringo Starr? Do you know who Ringo Starr is, Ryan? I, I do. I do, okay. yes. I'm, I'm pretty good okay. with music stuff, man. Okay. Yes. That is really well done, Robert. Yes. Really, really well done. Yes, that is Cam, Ri- Cam Rising also looks like he's like 50, but it's pretty yes. funny. Yes, he does. <laughs> He does. And when I heard him, so the, the after the USC game was the first time I ever heard him talk. It's not how I, I don't know. What it, I, don't, I don't know what he sounds like. I yeah. No go idea. listen to his post USC press conference. I'm not going to say anything because it's only going to get me in trouble, but just oh, listen God. to him talk. Like, might have to do that like, right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, USMA said, but no top gun, Ryan. He said music, not movies. Said music, yeah. Yes. Well, yes. I'm top actually, gun, the new I'm top really, gun actually does have a score. Go ahead, Ryan. I, 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 I'm really good with music trivia because my parents are big music buffs. So, like, yeah. I, yeah, I'm good with that. I'm really good. Yeah. My, my parents are, I, I've, people ask me, like, why, why do I listen to hip hop and rap? And I said, because that's what I grew up on. Like, my parents were big into like Motown. I've said this before. Like, my mom like loved Al Green. My dad had Temptations. You know, so I'm listening to like old 45s on my because my parents, from when I was younger, bought me one of those really cool things where it was like you had the you had the radio dial, then you had the two mm-hmm. recorders, and then you had the 45 on top. So it was pretty awesome. And that's so awesome. I do two things. Number one is I would because you could record the radio. So if you liked had a song you liked, you had to stand there by your thing, and you had to record hit record when that song came on. That's how you put your stuff. That's how you put your mixtapes together when I was a kid. So these kids nowadays are just like, they have it so easy. Just go to YouTube and find any song you want. But that's what we had to do. And then all the all the 45s list to most of it was like Motown stuff and like Al Green and things like that. Like my dad had some Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons stuff. And he he liked, um was it? He liked, I think Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That wasn't really my thing. Um, but like, so the Motown stuff as a kid naturally transitions into R&B which then naturally transitions into some of the hip hop stuff that I liked. And so, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of that's a parental influence. You know what I mean, Ryan? Like you just grew up, that was something you did. That's something your family cared and talked about. And it just, it sticks, you know? So 
I just got sidetracked for a second because I listened to Cam Rising talk. So yeah, it happens. It happens. I, I'm we're gonna hang on after the show's over because I want to hear what you had to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! So uh, so anyway, Ryan, I think that's it for now. Uh, it's been a long show. I gotta go check on my dogs. As I said, my wife's out of town this week. She's down in uh, Tennessee, actually, at a conference. So. Uh, she's down there for all you uh, uh, folks from Tennessee. My wife's down in your uh, stomping ground. So if uh, she gets nice. in a pinch, I may need to call some of y'all to go help her out. But she's a pretty tough Italian chick, so I think she'll be able to take care of herself uh, and uh, and her mom's with her, and I would not mess with her mom. So, um, But anyway, uh, that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you all so much for being with us. Big show, Ryan. It started with Brandon Hillman committing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Notre Dame, huge pickup. Obviously, right in the middle of our mailbag, Michael Mayer announces his intention to go to the NFL. Super happy for that kid. Uh, just kind of watching him against USC, and at the end of that game, catching a touchdown, you're like, you know what? Like, Michael Mayer's career is going to end with him just balling, and that yes. was kind of how you wanted it to be. You know, you Absolutely. wanted Michael Mayer's career to end with him just going out there being like, y'all know there's nobody out here that can cover me, right? Like, you <laughs> do know that, right? And that's pretty much what he did. Now – I don't think Michael Michael Mayer will see it that way because Michael Mayer cares first and foremost about winning, but mm-hmm. I care about that. If you're not going to win, I can at least say that. Eight catches for 98 yards and two touchdowns to end his career. It's a pretty good way to end his career, and yeah. I, I don't think he haven't did any other way. So, uh, enjoyed watching that kid a ton. I mean, just just a ton. And uh, Notre Dame's future at tight end is bright. We'll talk about that. I'll have an article about sort of replace and reload coming up and. You know, look, there's no one kid that's going to replace Michael Mayer. It's going to be a group. There's 10 other dudes, 10 other positions that are going to help the tight end position replace what Michael Mayer brought to the table because uh, uh, they they don't have anyone else on their roster to replace him, and neither does anyone else in college football. <laughs> so uh, he is unique. So anyway, for Ryan, I'm Brian. Thank you all so, so much for being with us today and through – the last couple of years and and you, you you ask questions like that, right? You start reminiscing and you remember how tough it was at the beginning. You're like, man, we've been through some stuff. You know what I mean? And, and to see where we are now, man, it's just a blast. Uh, and, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to make another hire in 2023 at some point in time. Don't know who it's going to be, but uh, we're working on some things. So we're just going to grow. I promised you all, I haven't said in a while, but I promised you all that if you help us grow, we will reinvest that money into this company to make it better. Ryan can test that firsthand. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bigger we are, the, the means the more opportunities we have to make it bigger and even better. And that's what we're going to try to do. So when we have great months, I, t- I joke with the guys, uh, when we have great months in revenue, it does not mean the Driscoll family vacation fund gets a big, a big influx. It means IB has a lot more resources now to go out there and make our stuff even better and that's always our goal bigger and better but not losing sight of who we are that's the goal and we appreciate all of you all of you for being with us along for the ride the michigan fans the notre dame fans the usc fans the ohio state fans the alabama fans everybody's part of our family we are a notre dame community that has expanded in some others and you know what we are one big family that i I'm so happy to be a part of. So thank you all so much for that. And we'll be back. We have a IB Nation Sports, uh, IB Nation Sports Talk tonight at six o'clock with Sean Styers. Will be tonight. And he'll be so originally Sean wasn't gonna have a show tonight or tomorrow because he was gonna be doing the women's basketball game because he is the voice of the Notre Dame women's basketball team, who had a huge win this weekend over UConn, dominated UConn, number three UConn this weekend. And so uh he will be having the show the next two days, which is good. 
And uh, and then, of course, we'll be back tomorrow. So we were going to talk stay or go NFL draft stuff tomorrow today, but I forgot about the Brandon Hillman thing. So we'll do that tomorrow. Obviously, the Michael Mayer decision is done. Uh, we'll talk about other guys that we think should stay or go. And then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, re the replace and reload. We'll talk about, you know, what the future of the tight end position is now that Michael Mayer has gone. We'll talk about that and then the other decisions that players have to make and any other news that may break between now and then. So have a great rest of your day, everybody. We'll talk to you all again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.